beginning to think Movie Boys was a mistake. <laughs> I was starting to think it was an error. You think you think we may we may have bitten off more than we can chew. We are in errata. I think that's what the the problem is. We have made a terrible, terrible mistake. Now, at first, what a great idea. People love podcasts, people love movies, people love movie podcasts. There aren't that many podcasts strictly about video game movies and associated spin-offs if we ever get around to it. Um, that has turned out to be a terrible mistake because I don't like having to get up on either a Thursday or a Tuesday morning. Increasingly Tuesdays because <laughs> why not put it off to the last minute? I don't like getting up at five in the morning to a message from you that is not framed as a reminder that I've got to watch a movie. Thank you for doing that. But it's obviously a reminder because you've known me longer than many people <laughs> professionally. Yeah. So I wake up at five in the morning, get a message from you, just an offhand reference as to how I may feel about the movie we're watching. And then watch at 5am, own a fucking Chandra Bikini Samurai Squad. Or Ninja he Heaven, or whatever it was called. I... I Heavenly Sword. I mixed up the name of the studio with the Ninja Heaven. Would be a great movie, though. That the sort. Of... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Godfrey Ho has like three Ninja Heaven movies already. Um, but anyway, I've got a question before we go anywhere else with this. You told me before we recorded today. You told me you had a two thousand word synopsis of the plot <laughs> of Ona Chandra Bikini Samurai Squad the movie. Yeah. Yeah. How the fuck? I mean, okay, it's it's more of a <laughs> it's more of a scene by scene breakdown if we're being totally <laughs> honest. Because yeah. It's got 3 is... minutes of plot this film. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 1 hour 25 minutes and and you were almost right to almost to the exact minute. It was like give or take a few minutes, but you did say I'd have two questions uh when watching this. Um what was it? The first question is why is there a, how is there a, uh, another hour of this and then how is there another 30 minutes of this? Yes, yes, it was more or less that. It was yeah. Uh, right around that time period it's like Jesus Christ there's another hour. Yeah. And then again like oh my god 25 minutes left. How? <laughs> right. You do start like you do start to question the yeah. passage of time as it, you know, goes. And, and I'm writing the synopsis as I, I'm watching this. So I'm taking pauses to, you know, figure out how to best wittily phrase my reaction to what I'm, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. seeing there, taking notes or whatever. So it's not a one-to-one -one for me a lot of times. And, uh, but it still seemed inexplicable that I would look at the progress bar <laughs> and see that there was still 60 minutes of this somehow because it always seems like it's it's just ready to end so much movie and and i mean we've watched movies that, that have gone over the two hour mark that have felt oh, yeah. long and this i know this is something else i mean this for the time period for 2008 that ain't a bad looking fan film no no i mean it's got the special effects and the acting and the 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 staging of a fan film, um, 
you can watch any fan film on YouTube and get... Well, I mean, any fan film from around that time period. Fan films today look and are better than this. Yes. But this does look exactly like a, like, like something fans made. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not even B-movie level. No. No, it's, it, it's, I've scrolled far too far along this Amazon row um, bad. <laughs> when, yeah. when you're on Amazon Video and you just go too far. And, and, it, and it is like people's home movies that they've uploaded to Amazon. Because apparently Amazon lets you do that. Apparently you could just make any old Batman fucking film in your granddad's shed. And, the, and, and Amazon will put it up there as part of Prime. Never well, go that far. I mean, I mean, Jimsaw. Yeah. Is, 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 is uh, reaching farther than this. I would say so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that had, <laughs> that had no budget. Like, that had no budget. Yeah. Not even a bit of a one. <laughs> but, but to be fair, <clears throat> yeah. One Chanbara was always a budget thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's always been a. I guess. I guess if Street Fighter gets a B movie. Then Ona Chandra as a budget trash tier game should get lesser than a B movie for its own movie. So I guess thematically, Ona Chandra Bikini Samurai Squad, the movie released in 2008 or 2009, who gives a shit, um, is, yeah, it is on point. It, it does work that way. Um, Ona Chandra as a game series, I've played a couple of them. Um, as far as this is a shoddy excuse for some breasts to go. It's one of the better ones. Um, some of them. They, some of them are unplayable, as far as I'm concerned. And some of them, like that that last one they did, Onichambra Z2 Chaos, I think it was called. That's all right. As a junk food game, that's good. That's like, I don't want to think. I just want to play some garbage that is immediately rewarding. Uh, just, just got that sort of instant gratification because I don't have to invest anything in this. Only Charm for a series works well like that. And it has that sort of refuge in audacity. It, it's so far over the top, so stupid, that it, it sort of works. This yeah, movie no, I, doesn't I, I agree have with that. that. I, I, I agree with that assessment. I, I had to go back because I knew I had uh, written about Oni Chanbra before. Mm-hmm. But I, I had to actually go back and seek out when that was so I could remind myself of what I thought, um, at least at the time. Um, and then, of course, you know, it was that horribly embarrassing thing where you find you, something you wrote nearly 10 years ago and you're like, holy crap, <laughs> who allowed this to be published? Um, and yeah. the answer was you. Um, <laughs> and and, and it, was, it was a review we did together, actually. <laughs> Oh, good. I, yeah, I always thought that of all the games in the world, Owner Champer is a two-man shop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we both reviewed uh, one of those Owner Champer games. I think I gave it a six. Uh, you gave it a four. Oh, I really didn't like that one. It was uh, Bikini Samurai Squad. It was the first one that made its way across the pond. Okay, um, yeah, that one... That one was awful. It was I know on it had 360, and it was a it was a it was a port of a PS2 game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you you really didn't like it. Um, I yeah, I, I took that one it, now. 
I took it more as uh, as trash food. Yeah, um, I mean, there, there is a combo system in that, and and mm-hmm. it, it it is a thing that you can master if you can muster enough interest in the rest of it to want to do that. Um, it was the, if I recall correctly, it was the bike levels that really did me in. It was <laughs> it's the motorbike sections where I was like, you know what, I'm 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 over this. No, thank you. No. Yeah. So it's it. I like some of them. That first one was. I hated it. I, I remember. It's all coming back to me now. I remember playing it. No, it was muddied and gross, and like it wasn't yeah. even. There, there. Like, okay, you're designing cheesecake here. Why is none of it appealing? Yeah, I see. It, that's something I think that some of the later ones fixed. That's why I I gave. Uh, Z2 Chaos, a much better review. I think I gave that one like a seven or something because I was like, you know what? Now, this is, as you say, a cheesecake, but this is appealing. This, because it's just, it is stupid fun. And that, mm-hmm. and that I'm okay with. Uh, but yeah. that, that first one was just so, it's like they wanted to do that silly, dumb, thump, silly, dumb fun thing, but didn't want to make it. <laughs> or anything <laughs> which is sort of like this film because it's the same sort of thing where it's like we've got this concept yeah we have this property it's yeah. available to us let's exploit you know, it girl wears bikini cuts up zombies with samurai sword and very much like that first Onachambra game it doesn't capitalise on that because we get a very Lazy, sluggish, po-faced film. It's a po-faced film. Mm. Even the comedy character isn't like doesn't have jokes. He's no, just he's fat. Just animated. Yeah, he's just fat and talks more than anyone else. Yeah, and that that is that's comic relief in films, apparently. But you know, he's he's likable. I liked him. I, I I liked the villain more, <laughs> or at least whoever dubbed him. <laughs> oh, I I watched it with subtitles. You I saw didn't... subtitles. I was going to ask that whether you saw subtitles or dub because I um I just got the one that was on YouTube. Um, oh, okay. The rental one. Mm-hmm. Um, they had another one that was not a rental one on YouTube, but it was borderline unwatchable. The quality of that. So I, I I paid three American dollars to watch this. Money I didn't well have a spent. good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell us about it? Do you want Do you want to go through your two thousand word essay about Omichambra? <laughs> yeah, let's let's Russell? do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We open with expositional titles over, uh, in you know, like a. Uh, what would you call it? Uh, pan shots of environments, uh, mountains, and then ruined cities and whatnot. They explain that in the year 20XDX. <laughs> <laughs> the year Triple H finally took over. Shawn Michaels <laughs> is president. You know, we, we, we laugh. But it's the first laugh I've had since watching that film. But but 
I mean, 20 XDX could be now or like, oh, I don't know, 2020. It could be 2020. <laughs> it could be that soon. We're not. We're, I don't. I don't see that much of a leap at this point. Yeah. So the the D3 Corporation. <laughs> That's the publisher of Owner Chamber, by the way. If you didn't know that, they're, they're they're canonically in in the story. So they are canonically making themselves the bad guys. Hey, it's a publisher that knows what it is. <laughs> So the D3 Corporation successfully reanimated a corpse, and then right Good. around the ti- same time, other undead start springing up around the world. Um, when in Rome. I yeah, think that's I guess. how the corpses viewed that. It was just <laughs> like, well, if one's doing it, I mean, we might as well all join in. And they kill people who then turn into more undead. And so society crumbles. Yeah, like, like we say, very fashionable. Yeah. This is a very... They're not taking any weird liberties with the zombies. They're like, this is how they work. We're going to explain it, and it's right there. Um, So we see a a zombie shuffling around a bit. I have to say the makeup's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not... Yeah, yeah. It's... I won't bag on the the zombies too much. They're all right. They're they're not great. They're all right. But we've seen House of the Dead. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you how little fair. plot there is in this film, by the way. Sorry to, to, to derail us, but at one point I took the dog out and didn't even bother pausing it. And to make sure I wasn't missing anything, I was just poking my head into my office door every now and then and coming back out and telling the wife, yeah, she's still fighting zombies in there. And that's how I was able to not only let the dog out, but make myself a cup of coffee as well. Just intermittently poke, oh no, still on the zombies. Sorry, carry on. I'm just saying yeah. that a lot of the plot of this film is she fights the she zombies. Fights zombies. Yeah. Uh, so a zombie shuffles around a bit before being shot by one of a pair of guards outside of a, I don't know, a hovel. Yeah, some uh, fuckhole. Uh, but when they go to shoot the next shambler that's making their way forward, the bullets seem to bounce off of it. I would like to note this is never explained. Yeah. Just, oh yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Because there, yeah, it's uh, well, it's similar to the ending of the film as well. Is that you just got to kind of know it's based on a video game. <laughs> it's like so long as you know it's based on a video game, then you're like, oh, I guess that's just a more powerful little <laughs> enemy character, isn't it? Yeah. Uh. So the uh. The, the inside the place that they're guarding, there's some kind of party slash street fighting thing going on. Uh, Keep saying this. I've just got to double check to make sure I closed my front door this morning. (laughs) It's just occurred to me I may have forgotten. Um, Carry on. I'll be back in a sec. Okay, so there's, like, cocaine at this party. So apparently society hasn't crumbled that much that, you know, or it's happened in a short enough period of time, I guess, that cocaine still is available but if this is supposed to be japan i mean that's really hard to imagine uh it, it, I, I can't see a whole lot of cocaine production going on in japan with i know uh, it was closed it's all right disaster <laughs> averted so we, we, where are we up to oh i'm still talking about the cocaine at the party oh good 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 yeah i was i was commenting on how somehow there is still cocaine in japan yeah 
Well, you got to take care of the basics. Zombie apocalypse happens. You want food, you want water, you want shelter, you want loads of coke. Uh, so this seemingly indestructible zombie wanders in and starts casually attacking people. Uh, and, yeah, and, that one's got a higher health meter because this film is based on a video game. And and we see it doing this from its perspective, signified by oh, replacing yeah, zombie vision, isn't it? Yeah, we get a little zombie vision. They well, made basically, it look what like they a do is they replace they replaced all the black in the scene with red. Yeah, it looks like the Terminator, but crap. Oh, and it's. I, I something I should mention. This film, especially in the first twenty-five minutes, is oppressively dark, poorly lit. Oh like, yeah, yeah. This is like a modern DC movie in terms of like oh, are how you fucking are you dark it is. That's like a DC movie is Shea Stadium compared to this. <laughs> if you watch the opening fifteen minutes of Ona Chambra. And then switch immediately to Batman versus Superman. You'll be blind for an yes. hour Wear because sunglasses. of how dazzling it is. It's like staring directly into the sun <laughs> <laughs> of Superman, which is a different story that isn't Batman versus Superman. Carry on. So, uh, <laughs> and, it, and then this thing reveals itself as being a zombie and all the other people he's attacked, you know, get I up. genuinely wondered if it was a robot before this, like with the, the Terminator vision. I was like, well, is this a robot? And, and, and you know what? I, okay, I'm going to come back to that. Uh, so everybody at this sort of gathering starts getting attacked and turned. And it's, it's at this point a cowgirl arrives outside with her manservant. Yes. <laughs> I can't think of any other way to put that. It's uh, She starts chopping up zombies with her flashy katana. Every time she slashes the katana, there's a special effect flash done mm-hmm. in After Effects. There's a lot of After Effects blood as well that sometimes splashes on the camera. <laughs> yes. A lot of that, again, fan film stuff, a lot of that. That is acceptable on a certain, you know, level and quality and budget that you don't expect to see in an officially licensed film. Um, um, a lot of those, like, on the same level as some of those porn parodies I've reviewed on YouTube with the blood effects that clearly are not, there's no physical or liquid blood there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of that. That's most of this film. Yeah, pretty much. Um now, there are, I, some credit for creativity. They do have a rather fun uh, leg split that she does where she basically she steps with her stiletto heels from her go-go boots. Hmm. Let that sink in. Uh, directly into the eye sockets of two different zombies. She and, let that sink in. Hey-oh. And, and does a, leg, uh, uh, a flat leg split. Between yeah, the two probably, of them. Probably took that from somewhere. Oh, but maybe, but they did it. Yeah. Was, you know, it wasn't devoid of uh, of an attempt to do something fun. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it makes a difference from a lot of the fighting, which is just her waving the sword about while CGI white lines appear all over the place. Yeah. And then I mean, some fake blood. The and effects then... are there to serve as a distraction. 
from yeah. the fact that the combat is not compelling at all. There's no choreography of, as such. No. I, I mean, and yet you feel like they had to have practiced it somewhat. Mm-hmm. But well, it's they still, do. Uh, still doesn't seem planned. They do a lot of good stances. Stances yeah. and, you know, deflecty moves. And the but not a lot of actual good. combat, you know? Yeah. Deal of the fights, this isn't. Uh, so the one guy in the who was in the one of the guys that was in the street fight who you know is the one that stands up to the first you know zombie that came into the room. Uh, he commends this woman on her fighting skills before then immediately being easily overwhelmed by a whole bunch of zombies. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, hard to tell who's gonna have any sort of like lasting character in this scene because it's like. You feel like, oh, is this guy going to join along as a sort of fish out of water assist? Oh, no, no, he's being eaten a lot. And, and it went it went just like that. Like, they set him up to be that guy it, it, by basically having three established shots of him. Him fighting in the fight, him standing up to the zombie guy, him saying, oh, wow, you're a good fighter. Yeah, you think it's going somewhere and then it's, no, oh, no, 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 he's very, very dead. Yeah. Uh, It's like it's like basically Game of Thrones in a very short span of time. (laughs) It's it's the whole George R. R. Martin experience in a single scene. This is going some oh oh dead. (laughs) So then she's faced with this master zombie thing. Yeah. uh, At which point she decides to take off her coat to reveal her bikini underneath. And mm-hmm. they, it's they the most a... dangerous zombie, so she needs the least amount of protective gear. Right, yeah. She needs to expose as much skin as possible to, to yes. you know, be bitten. Um, well, it's important to note that while she wears a bikini, her breasts are more or less exposed for her pleasure. That is true. That is true. Uh, well, uh, she has that strange boa that she's wearing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's only Chambre tradition. you got to yeah. have the boa. That helps you fight zombies. <laughs> uh, but so they, so she throws off the coat and they do this slow pan. And this is one of my favorite, like, uh, objectifying slow pans in a film I think I've ever seen. Because they go halfway up and then cut <laughs> to her face so that she can make a pose. Yeah. And then they cut back to right where they left off and resumed the pan up the rest of her body. It it is it's a a shot combo that makes sure that we get everything. It's just Oh, it cracked me up. It's like no no hang on, we don't no don't worry, we're gonna get back to it. We just have to make sure we convey this important character aggression. <laughs> You gotta know what she's thinking. Because this isn't an objectifying film, Conrad. You've gotta know who this woman is and what she's thinking while you're splaffing off a cheeky tug to her. That's the that's the philosophy of this film, is that bikini samurais are real people. <laughs> so they commence the fighting. Yeah. Um uh, meanwhile, the, the manservant who's been hiding, he reveals his position and is about to be attacked when a motorcycle bursts through the wall of the building 
And its rider proceeds to clean up a whole bunch of zombies with a sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. This sawed-off shotgun functions like a semi-automatic pistol. Well, yeah, if semi-automatic pistols never needed to be loaded. And never... Well, yes, that's the other thing. It has the fire (laughs) rate of a semi-automatic pistol and no reload required. No reload at all. Um... It's a really good gun. <laughs> if I, I, I'm not kidding. If if I had access to that gun, I'd probably use it in the event of a zombie apocalypse. That that's probably one of the best guns <laughs> that you could use. I gotta get me one of those. It was a good. The movie, if nothing else, was a good commercial for the sawn-off shotgun. The operates like a semi-automatic pistol and never needs to be reloaded. <laughs> and as soon as they're on the market, day one buy, just in case, gotta protect my home. I uh, uh, this the 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 sword woman. This is I'm just I'm gonna give you the names now because they don't give them to you for another fifteen minutes, and it's. And I, I know as, people are begging to hear I know. it. I as the one with the sword, uh. The uh, manservant guy, his name is Katsugi. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, so... the shotgun is Reiko. Reiko, yeah. Yeah. Um, I so... honestly think I would prefer it if you just kept two bikini samurai manservant and motorbike shotgun. Okay, all right, we'll do it. I think it would be easier for people to just keep track of who's who. Because... <laughs> Because the same goes with, you know, schoolgirl antagonist. Like, it's much easier to just call a schoolgirl antagonist and creepy, creepy lab dad for the main bad guy. (laughs) So, uh, okay, Bikini Samurai pins down the master zombie and then tells it that uh, she's looking for a woman named Saki, uh, who is our schoolgirl. Uh, when the new arrival uh, shotgun blows blows its head off. Yeah, blows its head off with her shotgun. And so then now these two have a confrontation, Bikini Samurai and Shotgun. Um, and uh, Bikini Samurai does a bunch of dodging, dashing around, and deflecting of bullets. Oh, yeah, they do a, uh, a long shot where one of the shells... Wait, no... That shotgun is shooting bullets. Yes, it is. Uh, where one of the bullets <laughs> that has come out of this shotgun. <laughs> such a good gun. Um, you put any ammunition in it, no matter the caliber, no matter the No, no you don't have what to. It, you know what oh, it no, is? Oh, no, you don't. No. Oh, my God. I just realized what it is. It's the, the judge weapon from Judge Dredd. Yeah, yes, it is. The- so, um, at one point... <laughs> The judge weapon shoots a bullet out of, <laughs> shot, out of one of its shotgun pipes, and she like, and these bullets are so good; they're like made out of bad CGI. And one of them hits the sword, and it's in slow motion as she doesn't cut the bullet in half, which is what I guess you'd expect for a slow motion <laughs> shot. No. It just sort of slides along the, the sword, making like bad CGI sparks. And, it, and grind, then just... it stops and grinds at one spot for a bit. Yeah. The Lawgiver. Then... That's the name of Judge Dredd's gun. There we go. Um, 
And that is pretty much what this gun is. Yeah. And then, yeah, the bullet, after just spending a bit of time stuck to the sword making sparks, just falls over. <laughs> and that goes on for a bit. Yeah, uh, up until the, uh, the point where a manservant intervenes, uh, pointing out that killing humans is now the work of the zombies, you know, so why don't you chill out? And they go to leave. Uh, Very progressive of him. Yeah. Very much sort of, you know, don't take other people's work. Like, they've got livelihoods as well. <laughs> uh, so the uh, shotgun calls out to them saying, hey, she knows where to find this Saki person. Uh, and that this Saki person is with uh, a man she's also hunting, which is, uh, well, what was it, Dr. Daddy? Is that what we were calling him? I like that. D- yeah, yeah doc- Dr. Daddy is good because that is um, exactly what he is. Uh, of the D3 Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, the D3 off- Corporation, by the way, appears to be, s- like, the building and the laboratory appear to be in some sort of community college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the end of an empty field. Yeah, community <laughs> college at the end of an empty field. That's where your evil megacorp goes. Like, like we, we criticize Umbrella Corporation a lot, but... <laughs> They got some swanky digs, even if they are, like, underground Russian sub-bases. They at least kit them out inside. This is... They moved into the old elementary school that was abandoned and thought, we don't have to take anything down. We're not even going to paint. No, no, what's the point? (laughs) What is the point wasting perfect good, like, paint and time when you could be... Well, you could be getting knockoff super soakers that you bought down the covered market and placing them near the necks of students pretending to be dead. <laughs> so, Shotgun offers to take Bikini and, and manservants to them on the condition that Shotgun gets to be the ones to kill them both. Um, now, according to the manservant, Bikini Samurai agrees to these terms, but she does not speak. She has not spoken yet in this film. Uh, she does eventually, at least. Uh, yeah, yeah, she eventually... But yeah, I think she when, has like when... six lines or something like that. Well, she's very much the Mad Max of this film. In the same way that Mel Gibson had about 12 lines in Road Warrior. Yeah. And then the rest of the characters were building up the world and the plot. Yeah. I think this is exactly what this film was going for. I think it was very heavily inspired by the work of Frank Miller. (laughs) (laughs) So as Bikini is walking out, she pauses to observe a red light. And we're shown the view from the light's perspective, which is in that zombie vision again. And I say that she's observing a red light because I, I, I really feel we need to reiterate... This place, this, this, the, the lighting in this film, it is darker than deep space. Yes, yes. Um, actual light from the room that you're watching the film in can't penetrate the movie. No, it will be absorbed into the it screen. It just sucks it in. At one point, I turned my phone on to just check something, check text while watching Onichambra. And the phone screen, I thought, was broken. I thought the phone was bricked. It's just the light from it had been drawn into the movie. In fact, I would really strongly urge 
nobody watched this out of doors during the daytime because you could plunge the earth into an ecological disaster from which it could never recover. Yeah. Just, just yeah. be aware of that risk uh, when you're And watching. don't listen to the, you know, the pundits who go on Fox News and tell you it's a myth. <laughs> watching Ona Champa outside will be an ecological disaster. It's real. So, anyway, we see the, that, that zombie vision again from the light. Yeah, low-budget Terminator vision. At least Terminator had text scrolling on it, and that was in the 80s. And then we get our three characters moving into a pose together so we can have the title of the movie. And I'd like to point out that we've been at this for close to 30 minutes and we've just gotten to the title of the movie. <laughs> Don't write 2,000 words for this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so uh, th- th- those titles are introduced with animations lifted directly from the game. I'm pretty yes, sure. Yes, I noticed that. Um, yeah, she goes full in-game character model for the title of this film. Elsewhere, Doctor Daddy. Hmm? better animated than the person yes, playing she is. her in the film. She's certainly more expressive. Yes. Um... So elsewhere, Dr. Daddy is pontificating on the meaning of life while reanimating a corpse on a very furry lab table. Yeah, he's kind of put down a sort of mink carpet. <laughs> yes. This sort of mink fur coat is draped over the side of a table, probably to try and not show that it's like a, you know, someone's dad's trestle table or something. Right, because they um, couldn't go and get a, uh, you know, a proper lab table. No, well, they're not in a proper lab. They're just in some room in a place that I don't think other people have used for a long time. Yeah. It's just a shit room. Badly lit, of course, but to this film's credit, probably the brightest scene so far uh, in that you can make out some details of things in the background, yeah, uh, including the super soaker that he's uh, got as a sort of makeshift syringe. <laughs> Which I've noticed that when he puts it near the neck of the the zombie to reanimate it, they made the mistake of showing that there's liquid inside it. So you can see no liquid going down or or moving or doing anything inside this shitty plastic piece of crap. It, um... Okay, so it kind of reminds me of some of the practical effects in Videodrome. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like it should be an insult to Videodrome, but it really kind of works there. Here, it just it, you know it's a it's a toy, and yes. it really stands out. Like having just having something metal would have gone, but it's it's clearly plastic that they have painted over uh, multiple times. Yeah, in in a variety of colors. Yeah, and and put some water in the little water part of it, uh, <laughs> just to show you that there's science liquid inside. And honestly, I think they'd have been better served by not putting that liquid in, because all I could do yeah. was look at it and say that ain't going down. So the the corpse flops to the floor, and then uh, rises to its feet. And I got to give some credit to this guy; he committed. He really did the writhing, slowly climbing up thing, and he did it well. He was a good creepy zombie. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. 
By the way, all the while, in my version of this, I'm listening to dubbing. So we've had different experiences. So all the while, I'm hearing things like, I will bring you back to life. I will be a success. Nah, you are a failure. I need someone from the Ahu clan. I need Saki. Ah ha ha. Saki, where are you? That's what I'm hearing throughout the entirety of Dr. Daddy's scenes. Is just some old, old English dude just <laughs> rambling. Wow. I mean, it's not that different. In the Japanese, uh, it is a in the at least in the subtitles, which I don't know how great the translation really was because if they put the same amount of effort into the translation that they put into every other aspect of this film, it's some of I mean it's 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 an an anime level dub where they haven't even tried to match anything to anything. And they fill in gaps with those sort of run-on sentences that have phrases like um, and besides in them a lot, Mm. where it's that sort of thing, where it's like, you know, we have to go to such and such, and besides, I want to do, you know, that sort of dubbing uh, and localization style. Um, So it's just a lot of that. To be honest, the dialogue is, is, it's not great to hear the English dub. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, especially because I I don't know how comic relief um, uh, the the manservant character is, how he sounds in the the version you listen to, but in this again, it's just some guy who isn't sounding particularly funny, isn't really putting much inflection in anything. It's just oh I heard that. I guess I spoke too soon. I said I said too much. Uh. Well, uh, that's disappointing because... And there are bits where he's, like, screaming or, like, looking surprised and shocked where you're expecting some sort of, ah, you know, like, some sort of reaction. It's just like, oh, oh." or sometimes nothing at all. Yeah, you, you, he, he puts some energy into his performance. Um... That doesn't come across in the dub. Like, physically, you can tell that the Japanese actor is, is doing stuff. But the voiceover just saps all the energy out of whatever this is doing. Yeah, it, it. I mean, they it does that fairly typical, you know, thing where they'll be, you know, talking and making a statement, and then all of a sudden it goes like this. Mm-hmm. He does that a fair bit, and it's enjoyable. He's really endearing. Not at all recreated in the English dub. That is so unfortunate. Uh, so they he... found a guy like who'd been mainlining Xanax that morning, <laughs> and I think that's true of all the cast because all of them in the English dub just sound so tired. I mean, they are mostly that way. Uh, the manservant is a is a notable exception. The right. uh, Doctor Daddy is uh, you know pretty reserved. At you know, up until the the you know failure bit and things like that, he's not some cackling mad scientist. Right. He's yeah. In the English dub, you just get the sense that he's off his rocker. 
to the point where I'm like, oh, he's D3, is he? Because he just seems like he's some guy in a shack who's trying to bring people back from the dead in a world where they that's already happened. Well, yeah, and, and I guess he's trying to, like, build an army or something. It's, like, his motivation is to reanimate the dead, but the, the reason for that, like, the motivation for his motivation, no idea. Yeah, I, I think we're just supposed to assume it's evil. Well, I think, I think he wants, well, no, he wants to be a god. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah that's was, what it was. Uh, that, that did come across in the English translation, because I remember that bit. Just, ah, I would be a god. Ah. Yeah, in the in the subtitles, I think it was, uh, this this power I- exceeds even gods. Okay. I don't think he says that in the English dub. Yeah. I think it's more just, ah, I would be a god. Blah. So, anyway, uh, he, he animates the zombie. The zombie flops around and gets up, and he beckons it to come closer so he can get a good look at it. Uh, and the zombie follows the instruction, but it's it's unclear if it's actually like responding or just you know being a zombie and there's a living person there. Like I I don't know if I'd be able to tell the difference there. Uh, I think that was part of his uh, part of his whole thing is to just stand in front of zombies, say "Come here," and then when it lunges for to eat his face, he goes "Ah, see, they listen to my commands. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I'm brilliant!" And then everyone applauds and gives him a Nobel Peace Prize. Well, it does seem to attack him, and he pulls out a, a blade and slashes it to death, calling it a disappointment. Yeah, uh, it's very angry. He's quite quite upset, and then he pours himself a drink. And says what he needs is young, strong flesh and a pure blood member of the. And I probably have this wrong. Uh, Imichi line. I think that's Imichi sounds correct. I think. Okay. Um, and then he wonders aloud where schoolgirl is. Uh, yeah. And and then they show us that where where she is. She. I mean, we don't have any point of reference for where she is, but she's somewhere else. And there's some guy wandering around frightened, and she uh, peers from around a corner and then jumps onto him from atop a bus, I think, and, uh, and, and and kills him. And then we go back to our trio. Oh, yeah, that's still in the film. Now, uh, Manservant is making small talk with Shotgun. Um, uh, at this, this is the point at which we learn their names uh, that we are not going to use. Uh, man, manservant and bikini samurai have been uh, traveling around, killing lots of zombies. Uh, something he's quite proud of. Uh, he also reveals that the bikini samurai is a, a member of the Amichi clan, and comments that she could be a little more gracious, uh, only to have her pull her sword on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gonna basically if you lightly chide her as a friend she will threaten to stab you in the throat with a sword that's she's who, a good pal that's who we're dealing with um yeah she's our hero shotgun seems pretty amused by this actually also also a great hero role model uh so they make camp uh bikini samurai is uh cold and distant and and something that manservant suggests is pretty normal and attributes to her having watched her sister, the schoolgirl, kill their father. Typical. Um, and as the 
Bikini Samurai lays down to sleep. We're shown the event in flashback. But uh, rather than it being a straightforward act of murder, we instead see four people stabbing the father, and none of them appear to be the schoolgirl. But Dr. Daddy is there watching as this goes on. Um, Manservant has a similarly sad story in which his sister was taken by Dr. Daddy and schoolgirl. And it was around this time that he met the Bikini Samurai, and the two have been a team since. Uh, Shotgun reveals that she, too, now, brace yourself, also has a tragic past. Uh, What? Yes, she had a daughter who was also killed by Dr. Daddy. It's fucking economy. Right? It it hits everywhere. Suddenly, they're surprised by a crossbow bolt fired by a young man who, upon realizing that they're humans, warns them not to go any further. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'd have said, I'd have opened with my bad. <laughs> well, and he has this woman, this young woman with him. And the two of them seem to exist solely for the purpose of providing a sex scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about this. No reason for it at all. None. They just they wanted a sex scene in the film. And they didn't want to have any of their main characters participate. Because our options are the manservant, Bikini Samurai, and Shotgun. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure the audience would love Bikini Samurai and Shotgun. But I just don't see it happening. No. So instead, yeah, we have these two having a sex scene. And uh, and that's part of a, a nighttime montage where we we see everybody else sleeping and we see them fucking. Yes, and you know it's not like it's explicit or anything. Not There's no. It's just, I guess, to remind the audience that sex is a thing. Well, I, I mean, breasts are exposed for our pleasure. Well, yes. I mean, you you wouldn't want a film without that. It actually. Do you ha- you realize how long it's been since we have had the the need to use breasts exposed for our pleasure? In the truest sense, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, well, we we haven't we haven't touched on many movies that have pulled this move for a while. We we've had a real run of films that are uh, family appropriate. Yeah, I mean, I expected Angry Birds to have a shot or two, but no. Well, yeah, no, that was, I, that why, was why mostly Angry Birds have a, Angry Birds have a good set of tits. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, that's good. Humor? That's a pun. That that is a better joke than any of the jokes in Ang- the Angry Birds films. So, <laughs> well done there. Uh, so the the lovers afterglow is interrupted by the arrival of a zombie, which takes more than a few crossbow bolts to put down. Always that, spoils the mood. Not that it matters, because three more just come in and tackle the guy. Uh, the girlfriend tries to pull him out of the grouping, but just winds up with his arm. And he then resurrects and attacks her. Yeah. I don't know why the other three zombies didn't move on to attack, but okay. I will say, again, considering the the film we're dealing with, the arm coming off, not the worst practical effect. It's okay. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, Manservant goes to take a leak. 
while he's gone, a zombie approaches the sleeping bikini samurai who wakes up just in time to kill it. A uh, second one appears behind her, and, and that one's shot by shotgun, so apparently nobody's getting a good night's sleep tonight. And the uh, the two undead lovers wind up surrounding the manservant, but then shotgun comes and rescues him. So that's what we're doing here. You know, it's people get separated, then other people come and rescue them. That's your whole movie. Get ready for it. Uh, at Dr. Daddy's facility, the scientist feeds a captive girl and tells her that he's going to turn her into his masterpiece. Uh, she doesn't seem too keen on that idea and, and recoils from him. And then he just goes ahead and beats her to death for being bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't piss off a science daddy if he's got access to something he can beat you to death with. That That's just... If, if this podcast was started for anything, <coughs> it was to get to that message, is be careful... If you're messing about with a science daddy, well, uh, this it's a it's a pretty short scene. It kind of comes out of nowhere. It's just sort of shoved in, and I guess it's necessary to establish that here we you know because he's gonna do the resurrection thing in a later scene. But I guess we don't need to know. We didn't need this. Like, there's no reason for it at all. I don't like. I I struggle to. It doesn't. I maybe establishes him as a bad guy, but we pretty much know that, right? I'm not crazy, am I? Yeah. No, I don't think you are. All right. Next morning, I and crew explore another rusty industrial place. All of the uh, locations for shooting. <laughs> like, I just went to, into the countryside. It found some, you know, post-industrial ghost town. Mm-hmm. And, and shot there. That's what this is. Um, they start exploring. And then we go back to Dr. Daddy. Like we get a 30-second shot of them wandering around the outside of an old factory or something. And then we're back to Dr. Daddy. Why, why didn't we just go? Str- why was that necessary? That Like, pick one. Eliminate one of these two things, please. Uh, Dr. Daddy draws some blood from Saki. And then, oh... Hey, computer animation, we get to see, you know, the blood cells changing once they're out of her body? Yeah. I I don't get it, but uh, he injects it into the girl he previously beat, and she resurrects. And and they do, again, to give movie skank credit, whenever he injects someone, the sort of black vein crawling over the face temporarily effect is okay. Yep, that's, that's... that is a subtle, a subtly executed digital effect, as opposed yeah. to you know the very flagrant ones used in the combat sequences. Um, yeah. So they're capable of it. I think they probably just there would have been so many to do uh, the other way, or in the other circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shotgun finds a doll in the old factory, and and then uh, Bikini Samurai soon finds its owner. It's a, a terrified young girl. Uh, and uh, Shotgun tries to reach out to her um, because, you know, she was a mother. And so this, is, this fits the character. Uh, gives Returns the doll and, and then later gives the girl a bracelet that belonged to her daughter. It's like, whoa, this relationship's moving kind of fast, don't you think? 
Like yeah, each, like slow your roll. Like uh, yeah, you have no other ways to you know make this girl feel at ease than to give this thing that you have carried around of your dead daughters. Like I don't know. I would be like if I were the the girl. I I, I would not be as enchanted by this gift as she is. Like I I yeah. would be thinking, oh shit, you know this. I'm I'm gonna be in a closet somewhere with stalker mommy now. Now I'm not suggesting that the people who made Ona Chambra should watch Aliens, but it it took them a while to build the relationship between uh, Ripley and Newt mm-hmm. um, to try and get that sort of surrogate sort of relationship built over the course of a film with character interactions and uh, art. And development. Yeah, but it's really important that we we get her introduced and then um, victimized as quickly as possible. Skip straight to it, please. Yeah, no time. No yeah. time anymore. Not in today's economy. Especially not in 2008's economy. And not with this budget. Yeah. So, uh, but then another zombie shows up and... Uh, and attacks the girl and shotgun blows its head off with no seeming regard towards the risk of injuring the girl. Even though, you know, she's reached this point in their relationship where she's sharing uh, an intimate reminder of her own daughter with her, whatever. Uh, manservant gets faced with a zombie wielding a spike ball on a chain. And when she gets close, he recognizes a pendant that she's wearing. And oh my God, it's his dead sister. As he's about to be killed by his dead sister, uh, Bikini Samurai intervenes. Uh, but then Manservant stops her from killing her sister when she has the chance. Uh, and then he realizes what must be done and finds a knife and stabs his zombie sister in the neck while a lament plays. The sister dies again, uh, and he expresses his shame in having left her to die the first time. So that's kind of dark. That's kind of unfortunate. It's a shame. Uh, meanwhile, schoolgirl has shown up and taken uh, the 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 girl shot shotgun's new daughter hostage. <laughs> shotgun tries to shoot schoolgirl to no seeming effect, but uh, this this alerts Bikini Samurai, who arrives to face her sister. And after a short flashback to some other time, which they saw each other as children, it's really not clear at all when or what's transpiring or anything like that. But but they made it clear that, oh, OK, they knew each other as kids. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of just take our word for it. Shit happened before flashbacks. <laughs> uh, and then there's a comical fumbling attack by the manservant. Um, and then there's a bit more of the fighting before schoolgirl vanishes. Um, afterwards, Shotgun holds a a, wound, a wounded replacement daughter and, and begs her to hold on. So the group goes to a hospital. And Manservant goes looking for supplies to help replacement daughter who's probably dying. But of course, there's there's no end to zombies, which we see moving in on the location. And Manservant finds the first of the zombies to be dealt with in this place. It's a, a nurse and, and starts running from it. A shotgun trying to comfort Maria, but uh, Bikini Samurai does the, you know, whole, all 
oh, it's pointless. She's going to die anyway. She's going to be affected, turn into a zombie. Let's just kill her. Uh, of course, predictably, Shotgun pulls her shotgun, and they have a brief standoff that gets interrupted by, well, everything else that interrupts. It's the same thing interrupts everything. It's one of the friends screaming. Anytime a scene needs to change, there's just a yell from somewhere else. And Bikini Samurai goes to help him. Uh, meanwhile, the outside zombies are coming inside. Manservant continues to be chased by the zombie nurse, gets rescued again by Bikini Samurai. And then they see the horde that's coming to the hospital and, and go to get shotgun, telling her it's time to, you know, get the fuck out because they're going to be, you know, they're in a, in a zombie nest here. Shotgun refuses to leave. Duh. Uh, Manservant gives a pep talk about that time he had to kill his sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very. I One theme with this film that I don't know if anyone's noticed yet is that... Uh, you're right, you don't really get a motivation unless there's someone who got killed, preferably a sister or a daughter, uh, but it can be a father as well. But so long as someone you knew got killed, then you've got a character in this. I think that's the one thing that allows you to survive in this movie's universe. What? Dead relative? There's a good chance you might see it to the end of the credits. I mean, I guess statistically speaking, if, you know, there's a zombie outbreak, pretty fair bet that everyone's got a recently dead relative. Now That is true. Did, that is true. Did they all, like, you know, leave them to die? Maybe not. <laughs> uh but it's it's funny because he's giving this impassioned speech about the thing that he just did like a scene and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In case you forgot it. Or, uh, you know, you get bored and walk out to let your dog out or something. Well, Shotgun was the one character who wasn't there when he did it. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, so I'd, I'd be terrified if I were making this film. I'd be terrified that my audience hadn't seen things that had just happened. <laughs> or had forgotten about them so soon. With all the other exciting action going on. So, Shotgun is unmoved by this speech, and she's left behind with, uh, with replacement daughter, who soon dies. Uh, then she's attacked by the horde in the hospital, so she takes out her rage by shooting them, ending with her replacement daughter. So, you know, great. She gets to repeat the thing she did before. This was a really good do- good idea, trying to love again. And it happens so quickly. <laughs> uh, Very said- much like the beginning of the film. Where it's, we're just given characters so that shit can happen. Mm-hmm. Um. Bikini Samurai and Manservant find their way to Dr. Daddy's facility and encounter him almost instantly upon entering the building. Uh, Because I guess the building is just like a hallway with the stairs at the the far end. And uh, uh, upstairs, there's uh, some rooms. That's pretty much it. It's really shoddy. Like, it's, it's sad. And it it has all of this weird painting on the walls, like it we it it was not not an exaggeration, not a joke to suggest that they probably just found an abandoned elementary school and shot in that, because that's really do- really is what it looks like. Um. 
So he's there, and he explains that he needed someone from the Imichi clan to complete his research, and that he's been searching for Bikini Samurai ever since he killed her father. Schoolgirls here, too. But before this final showdown can commence, we need, you know, one more massive zombie fight to pad the film out. So, uh, Dr. Daddy And this obliges. is a massive one. This is the point. This was the moment where it was like letting out the dog, doing the coffee. Every time I'm checking, oh, good, not missing much. She's still fighting the zombies. No, it goes on and on and on. Um, now... I mean, look at it from the filmmaker's perspective. If it didn't go on and on and on, they'd have to fill that with writing. <laughs> well, Dr. Daddy's watching it from a monitor in his lab, um, and he's impressed with uh, what uh, she's, she's doing down there. Uh, but the manservant has snuck into the room and begins choking him from behind. And they struggle for a bit, but Dr. Daddy breaks free and gets the upper hand. Meanwhile... Bikini Samurai is just becoming overwhelmed by the sheer number of zombies she's dealing with, and just as it looks hopeless, and you're not going to believe this turn of events, Jim. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. Shotgun arrives on the scene to shoot some motherfuckers. Who will? I know, right? Uh, reunited, they assume a team-up pose, which, again, it's the one thing they really do well in this movie. The poses are good. Uh, and then they proceed to kick more zombie ass. Uh, we go back to Dr. Daddy, uh, who's about to kill the manservant, only to be attacked by one of his own zombies. Which, uh, that happens a lot in these films. Not, not too weird. Manservant finishes the job using Dr. Daddy's own sword, driving it through the back of the zombie that's wrestling with him on the ground. Efficient. Uh, I like it. Shotgun goes down in the fight with the big horde which drives Bikini Samurai into a rage that expresses itself in the form of a fireball flung from her sword that obliterates all of the remaining zombies. So it's basically like, oh, we reached the point now where where we can have the dramatic moment. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Wrap that up real quick. Yep, yep. Good, good. Again, efficient. Yep. I uh, like it. Of course, Shotgun has been mortally wounded. Uh, after giving her scarf to Bikini Samurai so that she might dress the scratch on her arm. And I think this is a, a character design item, like a, a game callback. Does she have a, a scarf on her arm also? I feel like she might uh, have. It sounds like it should be right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's on a charm, but probably. She probably just got some shit just hanging off her. <laughs> uh, Schoolgirl then arrives in the hall, and the two go outside for their big showdown. Uh, as they do a bunch of silly suspended in air sword play, uh, Bikini Samurai asks Schoolgirl why she killed their father, getting a shitty answer about how she just wanted to be strong before being knocked to the ground. And mm. while Bikini Samurai's on her back, she has another flashback to the death of her father, and we're shown the remainder of that scene, in which Dr. Daddy takes their father's sword and gives it to Schoolgirl to use in her patricide. Uh, mm -hmm. And by the way, but again, if you've not been like slowly acclimatizing yourself to the film's um, visual changes, you might again be rendered temporarily unable to see by this point because at this moment, stuff like stuff starts getting very bright. 
Yeah. As they go outside near what I think they hoped would look like some sort of field of blossom so that it would have that sort of traditional Japanese <laughs> yeah. samurai showdown ending, but instead is just some shitty fucking field. <laughs> oh, an untended field that is just... Yeah, been, yeah. overgrown, shitty grass field. <laughs> and- Not been watered in ages, clearly half the stuff there's dying. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, this, this, I feel like we should, uh, at this point, tell listeners that uh, if you have ep- epilepsy, you you may not wish to watch this scene. because Yeah, I mean, I would just, where you said if you have epilepsy, I'd have got rid of that bit and just said, blanket, you may not want to watch this movie. <laughs> Right. Yes. Okay. But if if that's like the the deciding factor <laughs> that stops you from watching this, let it be that. Uh, anyway, uh, Bikini Samurai rallies, and uh, we get a whole lot more flashbacks of the pair training as children, during which schoolgirl is soundly defeated by the Kitty Samurai. That and this is spliced with the current fight they're doing and. The flashbacks reveal further that Dr. Daddy approached the dejected schoolgirl who was jealous of Aya's favor in the family and offered her uh, a path to power. So this is, you know, your your dark side shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Your very, very typical dark side shit. You see that new Star Wars trailer last night? Uh, not yet. Is there a new one? Yeah, there's a new one for Last Jedi. It came out last night, and and I, oh. I'm not, you know, you know me. I'm not a big, not a big Star Wars fan. I liked Force Awakens, though. I, you know, I think Empire's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That and that's about where I'm. I am with Star Wars. Empire's pretty good, <laughs> and and uh, and I really liked uh, Force Awakens. Th- this trailer that they they've got for Last Jedi is really good. Like it's all oh, right. It, it is it, it just it, from a marketing selling you on going to see this movie, whether or not you're a Star Wars fan, but especially if you're a fucking Star Wars fan. Yeah, it's it's choice. Um, OK, well, I'm going to check that out when we're done here. Yeah. Um, Wash the taste of this <laughs> film out of my mouth. So schoolgirl gets a Bikini Samurai pinned down, but then Bikini Samurai remembers all of the trauma of the past hour of the film, (laughs) just as I have, (laughs) and goes into a blood rage, granting her all sorts of weird teleporting abilities. She gets powers from video games. (laughs) Again, as I said at the beginning, this stuff only works if you... No, this is based on a video game. But on the flip side, the only fuckers watching this are people who have played Onichambra. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. So really they they did again stick to efficiency and were like, do we have to explain this? What other fuckers gonna watch this? And and to its credit, like that works for Onichambra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They are Again, consistent. It, thematic, yeah, it's on point. <laughs> oh, fucking uh, hell. It, so, it's nearly uh, done. Biki- yeah, we're almost there. Yeah. Bikini Samurai uh, puts her sword through Schoolgirl's chest, and then Schoolgirl gets to have her own rage thing. 
Uh, she's blue instead of red. And then they're back on equal footing, clashing swords. It's straining the film's already minuscule effects budget. And th- they injure each other's shoulders. But the fighting ultimately, or the fighting continues with like lots of blinking around and general confusion. And, and it, it feels like it's 10 minutes. I can't confirm that. Mm-hmm. But it feels like a really long time. Uh, ultimately, schoolgirl is defeated. And the, the pair of them cry as she dies. Uh, and then she's buried, and Bikini Samurai and, uh, and and her manservant walk off into the distance to kill more zombies. And it's just like, okay, we did that, we're done. <laughs> yeah, over. now that really was it. He's He comes out, and this is the only time that the, the, the English sub voiceover seems to, as a dub rather than sub, seems to show much in the way of emotion or inflection is after... She's grieving over the sister she had to kill. It's just wanders in. Hey, want to kill some zombies? That is that is consistent. Yeah. Yeah. That... And and then she she gets a sword and and they walk off. And that's yeah, presumably to do what he suggested. Okay. If 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 I, if I know films, <laughs> and I think I do, I think I think they're off to kill more zombies, like he said. And that is uh, Ori Chadbara, Bikini Samurai Squad. Oh. So, Conrad, did you like Ori Chadbara, Bikini Samurai Squad, the movie, or not? Let me answer your question with another question, Jim. Oh, sure. I love those. Do you remember that there is another one of these? Yeah. Movie uh, movie boys was a mistake. <laughs> like okay, there again, it is consistent with Odie Chadbara. Uh there are things that I, I'm glad I watched the sub. Um and not the dub because it sounds to me like the dub was really really horrible. The dub is watching this on hard mode. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it's I, I mean, I don't want to say, like, that I'm, like, some sort of hardcore movie watcher <laughs> or anything, but uh, I watched Ola Chan for a Bikini Samurai Squad the movie with the English dub. Get good, Cassius. Yeah. It's, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. I mean, don't don't watch it ever, even for this podcast, because I tell you what, sometimes I worry that this podcast is hard to listen to if you haven't seen the film, although we do have a lot of listeners that don't bother watching the films. This one I'm 100%, very much like the, uh, the Heavenly Sword one we did. Yeah. I'm confident this is just as enjoyable having seen the movie or not. Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't I, need to be seen. No, I I don't think it does. Uh, the if we did if this was a video series, right? Not that not that there's any ever talk or chance of us doing a, a movie video series of any kind. Perish the thought. Um, no, no, no. I would defend us against such accusations. But if we did a video version of this there wouldn't even be scenes worth cutting away to. No. 
like you know you know there are many movie review shows or you know bad movie shows where it's like they're talking about how bad it is and you know red letter media i'm a big fan of them and it'll cut to scenes to show you just how ridiculous and silly this film is to really underscore what the the people talking about it are saying i wouldn't even feel that's now i feel like it would be a waste of the editor's time <laughs> And to cut to anything, except maybe to show you the water not going down out of the super soaker. And maybe just to hear Dr. Daddy. Because I think part of the reason I call him Dr. Daddy is because of the English uh, dub. Yeah. Because he does sound like a creepy old daddy man. Yeah, I, I, the one kind of redeeming quality for me from an entertainment standpoint is the manservant. In his original vocal performance, he does not save this film by any stretch of the imagination. But at least when he talks, uh, and 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 puts the emphasis into his words that he does, it yeah. feels like someone's trying to have a good time and not just go through the motions. And uh, I appreciate that much. But it it is by no means a good film. The the just. Again, the lighting early on is so, so bad as to not yeah. be able to see. I mean, I don't even know if you can call it lighting. Like, I think, like, is darking a term in movies? Because well, it did feel like it's like they had light and then worked to remove it. Well, and I think I think that there, that can be a a useful technique if you need to hide the fact that your you know practical effects aren't great. Uh, but then, you know, they make the sort of odd choice of shining the light directly onto the super soaker. <laughs> yeah, that's that's as brightly lit as it gets. Yeah. Until the, Until the, the showdown in the showdown. really bad field. Right. Which, again, like, it's almost like the things that needed light to show where there was some actual semblance of set design doesn't have it. But the scenes where they didn't give a fuck have nothing. And I think that's part of the problem, is the scenes they didn't give a fuck, they didn't even bother to light it correctly. You know, you're, it's, it's, you're absolutely right about that, actually, because the one scene that it seems clear that, you know, they didn't just find the place and shoot it there... Well, okay, there's two instances I can think of where that happens, and the one is in that opening scene in the sort of hovel place. And I mean, there are a bunch of people in there, they have surfaces... Somebody went to effort, mm-hmm. and then and I think the they made no the, effort to make sure anyone could see the effort that they went to. <laughs> well, I think the problem is is maybe over effort. Maybe they they thought the darkening was like important for the tone, so it's like they tried too hard to make it dark and moody to the point of making it you know practically fucking invisible. And then the scenes where they didn't really give a fuck, they didn't even bother with uh, any sort of uh, lighting effects. I mean, that the scene in the quote-unquote laboratory with Dr. Daddy, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they just turned on whatever light was in the room yeah. and just said that was good enough. And the same with the outdoor scenes. is I think that's all just sunlight. That's all just using what's there. That's where they just couldn't be fucked. And I think... As the movie gets lighter and lighter over the course of the film, it becomes clear that they put a lot of effort into those first couple of scenes. And the effort just goes and goes and goes. Yeah, it's not 
it's not a good film don't waste your time yeah i think that yeah yeah echoed completely yeah what are we doing next time jim oh well we're gonna take a dip right into quality town this time um I don't want to use their name because I never know how people like to be credited. Let me know uh, some way or another. But thank you to whoever left a copy of The Legend of Chun-Li on DVD, not even Blu-ray, in my uh, P.O. box. Um, The next Street Fighter, our second Street Fighter, no, our third Street Fighter um, movie that we've done, because we did the animated one as well. This will be our third one. Street Fighter... The Legend of Chun-Li. I have. Legendarily not very good. I have heard not good things. Yeah, no, great things. <laughs> but uh, thank you for sending me that. Um, we have had it requested, I believe. I think you said we've, oh, we've, yeah. we've seen a fair few requests for this one. So that'll be what we'd be doing in two weeks' time. The Legend of Chun-Li. Can't wait. Uh, until then, I, I guess that's us done. Yeah. Um, you can follow Conrad at, on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. That's all one word. That's easy to do. And we do a, an improvised comedy podcast together called Fist Shark Marketing. Look up fistshark.com on the internet or just look for Fist Shark, punchy, rump chompy, Fist Shark on iTunes. And I think that's it. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and tolerating it. Uh, This podcast was a mistake, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.